Chapter Number One of Molly Brown's Senior Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly Brown's Senior Days by Nell Speed. Chapter One: Good News and Bad summer still lingered in the land when wellington college opened her gates one morning in september frequent heavy rains had freshened the thirsty fields and meadows and autumn had not yet touched the foliage with scarlet and gold the breeze that fluttered the curtains at the windows of number five quadrangle was as soft and humid as a breath of may it was as if spring was in the air and the note of things awakening pushing up through the damp earth to catch the warm rays of the sun it was nature's last effort before she entered into her long sleep molly brown standing by the open window gazed thoughtfully across the campus snatches of song and laughter fragments of conversation and the tinkle of the mandolin floated up to her from the darkness it was like an oft-told but ever delightful story to her now shall i ever be glad to leave it all she asked herself wellington and the girls and the hard work and the play how were they to bear parting the old crowd after four years of intimate association did judy love it as she did or would she not rather feel like a bird loosed from a cage when at last the gates were opened and she could fly away but molly felt sure that nance would feel the pangs of homesickness for wellington when the good old days were over all these half melancholy thoughts crowded through molly's mind while judy thrummed the guitar and nance busy soul arranged the books on the new white bookshelves presently the other girls would come trailing in the old guard to talk over the events of that busy first day margaret wakefield bursting with opinions about politics and woman's suffrage pretty jessie lynch and the williams sisters whose dark lustrous eyes seemed to see beyond the outer crust of things last of all after a discreet interval would come a soft depreciating tap at the door and otoyo sen most charming of little japanese ladies with a beaming apologetic smile would glide into the room on her marshmallow-soled slippers everybody's late exclaimed judy unexpectedly breaking in on her friend's preoccupation i do wish my trunk were unpacked i can't bear to be unsettled it's the most disagreeable thing about the first day of college why don't you go unpack it then lazy bones asked nance a trifle sternly as much as she loved her carefree judy she never quite approved of her how little you understand my nature nance answered judy reproachfully i know that people who pride themselves on having the artistic temperament 
never liked to unpack trunks or do any kind of so-called menial work for that matter but there can be just as much art in unpacking a trunk as in painting a picture ho ho interrupted judy who loved these discussions with her serious-minded friend how would you like to engage for all your life in the immortal work of unpacking trunks i never said anything about doing it always broke in nance when the argument was brought to a sudden end by the arrival of the other girls there was a great noise of talk and laughter while they draped themselves about the room college girls in kimonos never sit in straight-backed chairs they usually curl themselves up on divans or in morris chairs or sit turkish fashion on cushions on the floor well and what's the news they asked most of them had caught only flying glimpses of each other during the day wait until i make my annual inspection ordered judy carefully examining the fourth finger of the left hand of every girl no rings or marks of rings she said at each inspection until she came to jessie who was endeavoring to sit on her left hand while she pushed judy away with her right now jessica no concealments cried judy and from your seven bosom friends it's not fair are you actually wearing a solitaire i assure you it's my mother's engagement ring jessie protested but judy had extricated the pretty little hand on the fourth finger of which part not one but two rings caught caught the first of all they cried in a chorus honestly and truly i'm not it looks to me as if you have been caught twice jessie said molly laughing no no one of them is really mamma's and the other well it was lent to me it's not mine i simply promised to wear it for a few months jeers and incredulous laughter followed this statement we only hope you'll hold out to the end jessie remarked katherine in tones of reproach what leave dear old wellington and all of you for any ordinary stupid man i'd never think of it cried jessie i'm not afraid here put in edith fickle jessica may change her mind and her ring half a dozen times before june who can tell i'm not fickle where all of you are concerned anyhow answered jessie reproachfully you're a dear jessie broke in molly she never did quite enjoy seeing other people teased will some one kindly make for me explanation of the word jubilee asked otoyo sen seated cross-legged on a cushion in the very centre of the group like an oriental storyteller jubilee said edith by an unspoken arrangement it was always left to her to answer such questions why jubilee means a rejoicing a celebration there will be singing and dancing and feasting greatly of many days enduring asked otoyo it depends on who's doing the enduring edith said smiling wellington will be enduring of greatly much rejoicing 
went on the little japanese for wellington will give jubilee entertainment for fifty years of birthday perhaps maybe here was news indeed for seven seniors at the very head and front of college affairs and where did you get this interesting information little one demanded margaret otoyo blushed and hesitated then cocked her head on one side exactly like a little song sparrow and glanced timidly at nance replied mr andrew mclean second he told it to me nance smiled unconcernedly she never dreamed of being jealous of the funny little japanese and why pray didn't miss walker announce it this morning at chapel when she made her opening address asked margaret ah that is for another very sadly reason answered otoyo her voice taking on a mournful note you have not heard no what they demanded bursting with curiosity professor edwin green the noble honorable gentleman of english literature he is very ill you have not heard such badly news miss walker she will announce nothing of jubilee while this poor gentleman lies in his bed so very greatly ill why otoyu cried molly her voice rising above the excited chorus is it really true you mean dangerously ill what is the matter with him he has been two weeks in the infirmary with a great fever you mean typhoid otoyo nodded it was a new name to her she had not had much to do with illness during her two years in america but she remembered the dread name of typhoid it had a sad association to her for she had been passing infirmary at the very moment when a black sinister-looking ambulance had brought professor edwin green from his rooms to the hospital molly relapsed into silence somehow the joy of reunion had been spoiled and she tasted the bitterness of dark forebodings it came to her with unexpected vividness that wellington would not be the same without the professor of english literature whose kind assistance and advice had meant so much to her only a little while ago she had made a secret resolution to seek him in his office on the morrow for counsel on a very vital question in plain words how to avoid being a school teacher and now this brilliant and learned man by far the brightest star in the wellington faculty was dangerously ill molly felt suddenly the cold clutch of disappointment the other girls were sorry but not really shaken or unnerved by the news the jubilee must be to celebrate the fiftieth birthday of the new wellington began margaret after an interval of silence do you suppose she began again and then broke off suppose what asked the inquisitive judy oh nothing it would seem rather unfeeling to put in words what i had in my mind i think i'll leave it unsaid there was a silence and again came that cold clutch at molly's heart 
she felt pretty certain that margaret had started to say do you suppose if professor green dies it will interfere with the jubilee if there is a jubilee suddenly burst out judy who had been lying quite still with her eyes closed if they do give it we shall be at the head and front of it being seniors and i already have a wonderful suggestion to make would it not be splendid to have an old english pageant the whole college to take part in it think of the beautiful costumes the lovely colors the rustic dances and open-air plays on the campus judy's eyes sparkled and her face was flushed with excitement with her amazing faculty for visualizing the spectacle of the pageant stretched before her imagination like a great colored print she saw the capering jesters in cap and bells ox carts filled with rustics the pageant of knights and ladies and royal personages the players the dancers it would be too glorious she cried beside herself from her inflamed imagination the other girls unable to follow judy's brilliant vision watched her with amused curiosity i should think you would remember that professor green was at his death's door before you began making plans for a jubilee admonished nance but judy too intoxicated with her visions to notice nance's reproof continued they would have it in may of course when the weather is warm and everything is in bloom first would come the pageant then the king and queen and court would gather as spectators in front of the various side shows morality plays and the picture had now become so real to judy that her galloping imagination had leapt over every difficulty as the hunter leaps the intervening fence rail in a flash she had decided on her own costume of violet velvet and silk a gentleman of the court perhaps when molly sitting pale and quiet beside the window suddenly remarked miss walker did look very serious this morning i thought just before chapel i saw her in the court talking to dr mclean she must have had bad news then judy's inflated enthusiasm collapsed like a prick balloon she flushed hotly and relapsed into silence presently after the others had departed to their rooms she crept over to molly and sunk on her knees beside her at the open window i didn't mean to be such a brute molly darling she said i forgot about your being such friends with the greens and i am really awfully sorry about the professor will you forgive me you foolish fond old judy said molly slipping an arm around her friend's neck i only dimly heard your wanderings i was so busy thinking of of other things sending out hope thoughts like madeline petite poor miss green i wonder if she knows she has been in europe all summer i had postcards from her every now and then molly was looking wistfully through the darkness in the direction of the infirmary 
i wish i knew how he was to-night she added i'll go and inquire cried judy leaping to her feet eager to make amends for past offences she glanced at the clock the gate isn't locked until a quarter past to-night on account of the late train there'll be time if i sprint there and back but judy objected molly don't interfere and don't try to come too you can't run and i can and before either of the other girls could say a word judy was out of the room and gone i don't know what we are going to do about her molly nance observed as soon as the door had slammed behind the impetuous young woman she's worse than ever molly shook her head silently suddenly she felt quite old and apathetic like a person who has lost all ambitions and given up the fight i think i'll turn in nance i'm tired to death with silent sympathy nance turned down the cover of molly's little white bed and laid out her nightgown it seemed an incredibly short time when judy burst into the room again too breathless to speak her face scarlet with running i just did make it she gasped presently the night nurse said professor green was very ill but that dr mclean was hopeful because of his strong constitution i feel hopeful too thank you judy dearest said molly drawing the covers up over her shoulders while nance turned out the light End of chapter one recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c